0: Well, good morning. <laughs> Welcome to the Christian Church of Estes Park. We are disciples of Jesus that build generational, transformational disciples of Jesus. Of course, I'm Pastor Aaron, thrilled to have you with us today. And it was an honor to have Jesse here with us. Uh, you know, we've been praying about our uh, next associate pastor and we're in that search. And so this weekend, Jesse and us, were are uh, considering is this um, is he called here. Are we called to serve him and as he serves us. And so I would appreciate your prayers. All the way around, because God definitely has a place for him and his wonderful family. He's got somebody for us. And if we're the match, then God will show us that. And if he's got better things for both, then he'll direct us to that as well. So let's take a minute and just pray for direction and wisdom. And we'll get to the word. Heavenly Father, we do thank you that you're the God of all things in all time, that you work all things together for good. And Lord, that uh, in your sovereign plan, you have uh, directed all of us to this moment here today. Um, Father, we pray for wisdom and blessing for Jesse, Lord, uh, for Angelina, his wife, Lord, as they make this decision, are they being called to serve here at this church in Estes Park? Um, Father, that you would guide and direct their steps, make it clear for them, Lord, and that you would open the doors and only you can open, Father, and make a place for them. This is where you have for them. Father, if it's not, you'd make that very clear as well. And Lord, uh, I pray, same thing, wisdom for me and for the elders, for our church, Father, if... If uh, we are to, to bring uh, Jesse and his family um, um, to our church family, Lord, you make that clear to us as well? And Lord, if you have somebody else for us, then God, you'd make that clear. But Lord, we just pray for you to give us guidance because we know that you are good in all of these things. But Father, beyond that, we just pray a blessing over Jesse and his family for coming and serving and being here with us, Lord. Uh, we uh, know that you have great things for them. And so we praise you for them and for the blessing they've been already. And we ask that in Christ's name, amen. Very good. Well, this morning uh, we get to talk about church and belonging, which is kind of a great topic, isn't it? And when we talk about uh, loving our church, we've talked about first reasons why we love church. First, because Jesus loves church. He gave himself for it, as Jesse did a great job explaining today. Laid himself down for it, but he also rose again, given us the Holy Spirit. God loves church and he loves us. And not only that, that we talked about one of the reasons we love church is because it's different than everything else. Our church is alive. And the church is where we find life. It's vibrant. It's growing. It's where uh, God is at work. He gave spirit to this body, which is fantastic. And not only that we find that the church is alive, it's something to love about it, but it's also a place we find purpose, that God has given us purpose. And we found that last week as we were going through and discussing in Ephesians 5 how he built us perfectly to work together for great things. And today we're going to talk about then, as we work together, the belonging that he designed for us in that. And before we get to, of course, our memory verse for the series. 1 Corinthians 3.17. Hopefully by now it's starting to make uh, it's being a little more familiar. It's about a month in. But if not, it's new to you. Don't worry. It's very short, uh, but very powerful. So you go say it along with me. Three, two, one. God's temple is sacred and you together are that temple. First Corinthians 317. All right. Again, God's temple is sacred and you together are that temple 1 Corinthians 3.17. And one more time to test ourselves. God's temple is sacred. And you together are that temple. 1 Corinthians 3.17. Awesome. Now, if you have your Bibles, you want to turn them to Ephesians 2. Remember, last week we are in Ephesians 5, as we were there. So we're going to go just a couple chapters earlier. And we're going to be looking at that temple that God made us. It said that, that you together are that temple. And that's us, right? That's the church. And remember, the purpose of the temple was not so that God could be with people. But instead, it was where God created a place where people could come back to him, could meet with God. And that's one of the reasons why we're sacred. It's so special, right? And starting in verse 19, as we get there, you're going to read about this temple and the foundations of it. It says here, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people And also members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Uh, that passage is, is incredible. First thing we find in that, there were no longer strangers. Right? You belong here. That's, I love that skit that, that they did. It, you belong. I, I think oftentimes we have felt strain, estranged from God, and we should have, right? We sinned, we rebelled against Him. We had our, our own way. We wanted to, to do things our way. We had this coup against God Almighty, and we were estranged. We weren't part of His kingdom. We were not part of His household. Separated. And not only that, but doesn't our sin separate us from one another? If there's anything that would, would really define the, the human experience over the last 12 to 18 months, it's probably separation, isn't it? But I want to give you good news you're no longer strangers, that you have a place, that God created a place for you. And not as an alien, and not as an outsider. You, you have been given the opportunity to belong. To so where God's temple. Which means that we don't just belong together. That we belong with God. And that was the whole purpose of the temple to begin with. Because God is everywhere. But where do we come back to Him? That's why he gave us a temple to come and to meet him and have a space. But the thing that was so amazing is when the physical temple existed, there had to still be a giant curtain between God and his holiness and us in our depravity. But when Christ died and he paid the penalty for all of our sins, past, present, future, when our sins had been washed away, when He had made us pure and right and righteous in His eyes, the, the first thing that we see happen is that curtain is torn in two. That there's no longer a division between God and His people. In fact, so much so that He did away with the whole building and He made us into the temple. And that God's Holy Spirit dwells here He is with us, the Holy God Almighty, the creator of all things. And he doesn't treat us as though we walk into his presence and say, who are you, stinky people? Right? He doesn't look and say, I know what you've done. He doesn't reject us. He welcomes us in. And he dwells amongst us. And it's not just that he made us this... This this nation that that he he dwells within, he's given us the ability to be citizens of his kingdom again. The the war that we waged against him when we we had our great rebellion against God saying our way is not your way. That war is ended and God has brought us back in. And we are welcomed again into his kingdom. Full citizens with all rights and privileges. Living together and with God to, in line with what he originally designed us to do. We belong. There's not going to be a place in heaven or a time in heaven where you might be walking up to the pearly gates and someone is like, well, you shouldn't be here. If You are saved by grace through faith in Christ Jesus. You belong. And there's not going to be someone in heaven that's going to do some investigative research back way somewhere in your life where they come back in and they smear you and cancel you out of heaven because of some stupid tweet that you did 20 years ago. It's not going to happen. You belong. You belong. It's, I think that we say that I love my church because it's a place to belong. It is my spiritual family. Right? Right? One of the things that I love about that is God's given us a forever family in the church. It's not just that we're a nation. But think about this. How many times in Scripture does does it talk about brothers and sisters as brothers and sisters? Right? As, As Christians as brothers and sisters. In fact, family language is the most predominant language that is used to describe the church. Even as we pray, we pray to God the Father. And Jesus made this point really clear to us. I think there's one time in Scripture, it happened in Matthew, uh, chapter 12 is is written down. And Jesus was in his ministry and he was making some bold claims, you know, being God and all. And he was doing these things like miracles and whatnot. And it was catching a lot of people's attention. And his family became a little concerned because they're like, hey, uh, bad people might not like that and they'll probably kill you. So they came up to Jesus Jesus, mom and his brothers, and they stopped outside and they were Jesus was teaching. There's a bunch of people around him. And they said, hey, uh, go tell Jesus that his mother and brothers are here. Right. And the reason that they came there was to kind of help tell Jesus, hey, keep this God thing on the down low. Think how silly that is. And how does Jesus respond? Well, oh, up here. He said, pointing to his disciples, he said, here are my mothers and brothers. For Whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and my sister and my mother. Now, Jesus wasn't dissing his mom or his brothers, right? He was making a point. He was telling us something of very big truth, right? Our spiritual family is going to outlast our biological families by a long shot. And it's not that we're not to love and to serve and to care for our biological families. We absolutely are. God put you in your families for a reason. But I want you to know that you have a bigger family that is much more enduring. And it's going to be the people that we get to live together with forever. And I know that might sound kind of cr- You're like, I have to stay with you forever, Aaron. Trust me, I'm being sanctified. It's going to be okay. Right? So we have that. But we're God's family, always and forever, right? We've been adopted as children into his household. And now it's not as though we're just a nation. It's not just that we're a holy people. That God has brought us into his own household. And God's not going to disown you, which I think is pretty fantastic. Right? That God has called us together To be this amazing family. One thing that's interesting about families. It's not so true of nations. Is that families thrive. They have this currency of something. That makes it all work. And it's called love. Right. The reason. Like if any of you had brothers and sisters. You'll know there are times. That you didn't murder the person who is your sibling. And the reason you didn't do that. One is because you get in trouble. But two. Is because deep down. Even though they annoy you. You love them. Right. Parents have great love for their children, which is a great thing because kids can be stinkers. Right. And kids have love for their parents, which is good because sometimes parents are boneheaded. But we have an affection, a a desire to, to care for one another that's built in, hardwired into us, and that's just for our physical families. When we join into God's spiritual family, we have a currency here that is different than any other group or club or anything else that you could be a part of we love we love one another doesn't mean we always like each other doesn't mean we don't annoy each other from time to time because yes we do that we're not perfect yet but we always can love one another choose each other's good above our own in fact jesus said the world's going to know that we're genuinely his and this will be the test by how we love one another because it's just not natural it's supernatural of how we care for one another, the affection that we have. And Jesse even talked about it today. The Holy Spirit is thicker than anything else. There is a bond of love that we have with brothers and sisters that cannot be duplicated, it cannot be replicated, and and it cannot be faked. So I love my church family because my family, my church family is a family. But another reason I love it is because the church is where I grow Spiritually see, God gave us families physically for a reason, right? You're supposed to have a, a father and a mother and a kid and they grow up, right? You, you, they have children. God didn't have ch- kids that were supposed to just be orphans running about trying to learn how to teach themselves. That's just not how it was designed to work. Well, when we come to faith, God didn't design you just to go out and try to figure it out on your own. Right? It would be like throwing a, a baby into the gutter and say, have a good life, kid. That's not what we do. That we have families, healthy families, help people grow into healthy adults. See, God designed families to raise the next generation. That's why every single Sunday, you hear me say, we are disciples of Jesus, who build generational, transformational disciples of Jesus. There's a reason for that. That we grow in faith. We're supposed to grow up in faith, and that faith transforms us. So we don't just have a story of a conversion. We have a testimony of God at work in my life transforming me. So healthy homes raise healthy humans. Healthy churches raise healthy disciples. That's what we do. That's what we're about. And so how does the church help us to mature? Well, the book of Acts, right? You and Jesse talked about this morning. This is what the church did when it first started. It says they devoted themselves, the apostles' teaching, to fellowship and the breaking of bread and to prayer. Right? There's some things just in that the church has always done right from the very beginning that helps each other as we grow up in Christ. Right? We find that here, the first thing is that we devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching, right? The apostles, that was their church, by the way. How cool would that be? Like, your, your lead pastors are the apostles. You're like, well, that's pretty cool, right? But they had—they didn't know the Bible was, was being written, New Testament, so the apostles were giving them, was teaching them the word. And you know what? 2,000 years later, the church is still doing? Gathering together, being taught the apostles' teaching, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Word. We're learning in that. It's one of the reasons we gather. But it doesn't just end there. It's why church isn't just this big Bible study. Can you imagine how boring that would be? Right? It, it's just, it's not just study. Right? But it says also to the fellowship. This is where we get to know each other and care for each other. Right? We get to love one another. It's why we don't just have Bible studies. We have life groups. Right When our groups meet together, and I'm so happy I heard no one of our life groups is going to get ready to start hopefully meeting in the summer, which is fantastic, right? But as we gather together, we get to grow, grow in the word together, but we grow close to one another. And you can show up at church early and leave right away You know, and, you know as soon as the, the songs are done and, and avoid meeting anybody's contact and everything like that. And you can, you can do that for a while and you could be fine. You could do that for years. But the thing is that there's so much more for you in church. That you belong. Uh, to get to know and to be known. And the church has been doing that forever. And here's why it's so important. How can we possibly help you grow up in faith if we don't know each other? Do right? you think a parent could raise a good kid if they had no idea the, child, the child's personality? Their strengths, their weaknesses, their hopes, their dreams, their fears? Like if a parent just said to the kid, hey, just show up every week on you know, 7 o'clock in the morning and I'll tell you what to do for the week, and then you go back and do it, and just have a little business meeting, would that be a good parenting? No, good parents spend time with their kids. They get down on the rug, and they play with them, and they, right, they, they get to know who the, each child is, and you raise your children the same by raising each one different, because they're all independent little crazy people. And the thing is, you're all independent crazy people. And we need to know each other so we know how to help raise each other up in faith and faithfulness. Which requires vulnerability and an emotional investment. And the church has been doing that. They devoted themselves to fellowship. There's a devotion to it. I guarantee, even in the first century, even sitting under the apostles, there were people that were like, oh, it's Sunday morning. I do not want to go. I guarantee it. It's like, look at the traffic out there. All those camels and donkeys. I don't want to deal with that today, right? But they devoted themselves, devoted themselves. But we also had that there's the breaking of bread and the prayer and felt there's worship in that. That they centered their lives on God together, which is what worship really is. They learned a new way of living that stepped them out of the prideful ways that was destroying them. They learned how to come together as a group, as a people, and to say, you know what? Maybe God should be at the center of my time. Maybe I should center my talents on what God is doing in my life. Maybe even my treasure. Maybe God owns me and everything, the whole world. Maybe I actually believe that. Maybe together we can learn how to live that here, now. We get to have the heavenly culture today. And they learned how to do that together. And there's something else in it. They dedicate themselves to prayer. They talk to God. And I want you to understand what a profound thing this is. What would give regular humans the audacity to think that we could talk to God? Well, God gave us a temple. He says, I want to meet with you. And I want you to, to meet with me. And he's removed the barriers. And he said, I am your father. And Jesus, when he came, he said, this is how you're going to talk to God. And you start with the relationship, our father in heaven. And we begin by having this communion and this regular discussion with God. But we can do that together as well. You know, it's one of the reasons that we pray here together every Sunday. Is that we invite God into this time. This is not just a group of people meeting together, doing our own weird thing. But we come here together. We invite God to meet with us to fill this space, and for us to come and to meet with Him, so that He could speak to our hearts, that we could love Him and know Him. And so we love our church family. I love my church because it's a place that I grow. It's a place that you grow, and it have. I, and I can look back, and and for a while I was a journaler, right? And I would try to, and I would journal things. It was interesting what a great habit that is to look back even a year past and to see how God has changed you over the past year. It's amazing the things, the fears, the struggles, the anxieties, the stuff that I was dealing with 12 months ago are different now. That God is transforming me. And sometimes those changes are so subtle, it's like a little child growing. And if you're there with the kid every day, you sometimes miss it. But then you bring them to the grandparents and they're like, oh, he got so big. You look back and In the pages, you look at what God has done in your life and you recognize, you see his hand at work in in you. It's fantastic. And you recognize that that God is growing you and we grow healthy together here. The third reason I love church is it's where I not just grow up, but it's where I grow healthy relationships. The number one social disease, I believe, in our culture, not the number one disease because we all know what that is, The number one social disease in our culture, I believe, is loneliness. I believe loneliness causes all kinds of other risky and stupid behavior that destroys us. Most people are so isolated because they haven't been freed from themselves yet. Their lives revolve around themselves, which is selfishness. They're locked into that in pride knowing that not knowing that's anything better they're doing what's right in their own eyes they cannot see maybe a better way but because of this disease they isolate themselves because when you're the king of your own world there's going to be kings and queens of their own other countries and worlds and then you're going to have wars all the time because very rarely is somebody going to bow down and be like i'm going to serve you right And so what do we have? We have fights in our home. We have fights at work. We have fights in our government. We have fights nation against nation, right? And we isolate and separate one another. Isn't that the work of of sin? And this loneliness that is so deep and profound within us causes us to do crazy things. Sometimes we try to mask the pain by giving ourselves spending our lives on, on pursuits that will never fill us. And they're not bad things. Some of those pursuits can be family or jobs. Some of those pursuits are stupid, like, like drugs and, and addictions and going out and partying and, and all those types of things that, to the point of, of destroying our souls, right? But it doesn't matter. Any of those things cannot fill what God has designed us for. And that is true relationship. And that's why you find, like today there's a group of people that are here, you're all here and some joining us online, which is fantastic. But, you know, I guarantee that today there are going to be more people in attendance at the local bars than they are here. I mean, people are looking for relationship. They're looking to be known and to know and to have friendships and, and to, to be known. Well, here's the thing. You can find some level of, of relationship and other things, in clubs and activities and all that stuff, but there's a difference between it. Uh, anywhere else outside the world, the people that you're meeting with, you're growing relationship, right, their number one aim is probably not ultimately what God wants in your life. They they might have other motivations. Sometimes we surround ourselves with friends that lead us to our own demise. Sometimes we surround ourselves with friends who just want us to be happy because then it makes them happy when we're happy. But what happens when you're not happy? At church, you are surrounded by a different group of people. Folks that you wouldn't hang out with normally, most likely, if we're doing it right. right. Because the church is for everybody. But we're here because we're called together part of God's kingdom. We don't just grow into depravity here. We help each other grow up into righteousness and holiness and goodness. But the church is, is a place where you have a relationship with people who love you because they're going to be stuck with you forever. So the better they can make you, the better off they are. Right. But beyond that. They have a vested interest because we're all following the same Lord. It's not my way, it's not your way, it's God's way. So we don't have to bicker and fight over these things. And I know that my God is at work in you. And he's forgiven you just like he's forgiven me, so who am I to reject those whom God has accepted? And I want to see you grow in Christ. And you want to see me do well in Christ. And so the difference that we have is that we have a family together that helps each other grow up healthy now psalm 68 talks about this that god sets the lonely in families right and, and which is very strange passage from the old testament you have this psalmist who's writing about loneliness and things like this and how god takes lonely people and puts them in families He talking about orphans and widows and things like this but how does god do that well god doesn't raise up other biological families for lonely people Right, and some people are in great biological families, and others are very lonely in their biological family. But God takes the lonely, and he puts them into a different kind of family. His family. A family that is 100% committed to them. Committed together, knit together through the bonds of God's Holy Spirit. So the church is your family. It's a place that you connect. The church is God's family. It's a place that you're going to find grace and love. It's where you're going to connect with God and all of his people. And so I love my church. Because it's where I belong. It's a, it's a temple, it's a nation, it's a, it's a family, a fellowship, a body. And you notice that all of those terms, even in this text that we read today, they, they're all something that require multiple parts working together. Right? You ever heard of a nation of one? That's a stupid nation. Right? Easy elections, stupid nation. Right? You have a family of one, you have an individual right? You don't go to a restaurant and have a party of one. I guess you could, but that's not really so much of a party, right? You need to have multiple things, a building, a temple, multiple bricks, things coming together. And that's what he talks about, a body, multiple organs working together. In fact, even the word for church, ecclesia, right? And it really comes down to the word, basically a gathering or assembly, that God assembled us. He's put us together. It's like, it's not just like, um, like when you gather the Legos from the carpet when you were playing on them you took them all apart and you kind of sweep them together and assemble them that way. That's not so much how God does it. Assembles them like when you take the Legos and you build the thing on the box, right? Each one has a space and does its own special work, right? You don't miss any of those steps. Otherwise, you have to go back and try to figure it out, right? God is a space for us. He assembles us. And we assemble together in him. In Ephesians chapter four, it says this. From him, that is Christ, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. We talked about that last week, our purpose that God built in us to us. But today I want you to focus on this. Who puts us together? God. He designed you perfectly to fit here. And he's putting you together here. And sometimes we think, well, what do I possibly have to give? Don't sass God, he knows exactly what he's doing in your life. He made you a workmanship, you are crafted beautifully, exactly designed to do what he wants you to do today. And he's built you to be here. So God made me for church, he made you for church and he made church for me and for you. How cool is that? So church is where I use my gifts. Church is where I connect and come alive, where my purpose is made manifest. Church is where I matter. Church is where I belong. And so today, as we look at all the things that God has done for us, I say that my church is the place that I belong, and I love my church because it is where I belong. All of us need a place to belong. God designed you for this, and you can f- try to find it anywhere else in the world, but nothing else in the world was, <laughs> was designed by God, and you designed by God for, right, to help you connect. You belong here. And if that's not enough reason to love it, I don't know really what else there is. I mean, that's pretty awesome. So how do you put this into action? How do you take this truth and put it into action in your life today? How do you apply this? Well, the first thing, if you're a connection car, on the back side of it, there's some things that I have there, four steps like I do every week. I want you to be able to apply God's word. And the first thing, memorize 1 Corinthians three seventeen When it says that God's temple It's sacred, and you together are that temple? You together are part of that temple, which means that together, you belong here. Take some time, memorize that. Know that there is a space that God has made for you. Also, next thing I want to do, why don't you read Matthew chapter 12? Why? Because I talked about it a little bit today, and I would like for you to actually go and read God's word. And it's great to be able to see what God is doing. Why do you connect here? What does that mean? Something else you want to do is just reach out to a fellow member in the church. The last... However many months this is now, it's way longer than two weeks or three weeks. I'm sure of that by now. Well, we have not been together. There are a lot of folks who we've disconnected with. And if you can think of maybe a brother or sister in the church that you haven't seen in a while, would you give them a call this week? An email, a phone call? Write them a letter if you like to do the old snail mail thing. If you've got decent enough handwriting, not better than mine, right? Reach out to somebody this week that's in the church. Let them know you care about them. Pray for them. It's a good thing to do. Something else you may want to do is join our membership class. I mean, uh, not this coming week, but the week after that, uh, we'll be talking about really what does it mean to be a member at the Christian Church of Essence Park. What do we believe? How are we structured? All of those things. But also the biggest thing is how do you connect here? So if you're not a member of the church, I invite you to come and be part of that class. It's about two hours long, and it's a great opportunity for us to discuss those things to help take that next step of really connecting in a real official way. All right. Hopefully I've given you all something to take a next step in. Uh, what after I'd like to do is after the end of the service, if you take those connection cards with your prayer requests and all that, drop them in that box at the back of the service there. If you're online, drop us a note. Let us know what you're doing uh, so we know how to pray for you and encourage you. Um, and uh, We'll let God take our offerings and build them to something great. I'm going to have the worship team come back up uh, to lead us out with one more great uh, song of worship. Before they do, let me just pray a blessing over us as we make decisions on how to follow him today. Let's pray. Father God, you are a good and powerful creator and you are holy and you are righteous and and Lord, everything you do, do is good and lord we are so blessed to be included into your home into your family to be a holy temple a sacred temple where the world can come and to come back to you I thank you for what you have done for us in Christ Jesus. I thank you that you've given us this church family, a place for us to grow and to to connect in, Father. I pray that you would help us to be a healthy church that develops disciples that follow after Christ and and, Father, that you would knit us together with greater bonds of love. And for those who feel on the outside, and maybe even this morning are on the outside because they have not accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior yet, Father. But I pray that you would draw them in. Father, that they could be saved by God's grace through faith. Lord, that you'd help them to come and to connect and to have a healthy church where they belong. And to knit together them in our very spirit as you do your work through us. And Father, I pray in all of this that you would be glorified for you are good. We pray all of this in the name of our Savior Jesus. Amen.